Welcome to Retirementals, a podcast that dives headfirst into the issues facing the financial sector at the intersection of investment, technology and financial advice. Hosted by Abraham Oksanya, you can expect raw honesty, critical analysis and energetic interviews. Here is your host, Abraham Oksanya. Good day and welcome to Retirementals. It's great to have you all on the podcast today. My guest today is Chanel Pattinson, who is a financial planner and a podcast host. She's the host of her Future Bright podcast. Chanel, welcome to Retirementals. Thank you for having me. I'm super, super excited to be here. You're the only one who knows how many times I've had to retake that introduction line. (laughs) But, uh, you know, Chanel, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this legendary career of financial planning. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my dad is a financial advisor, financial planner, and he has been since literally as long as I can remember. Um, I went to his office from the age of very, very small, doing my homework in the summer holidays, being around his clients. Um, But growing up, I would always explain what he did as drinking tea and making money grow. So if anyone asked me what he did, that's what I said. (laughs) I, honestly, I promise you until probably the age of 18 that's what I said because that's what he did in my eyes um but what I also thought was that it was incredibly boring um growing up I was like that is never what I'm gonna do like I could not think of anything worse I thought it was so boring I went off I did art and I did theatrical makeup I worked at ITV and I did all these different jobs and then dad was like Chanel can you just just try an exam see what you think I don't know if he saw something in me or if he was fed up with me quitting my job. I'm not quite sure. But um, he was like, just try an exam, see what you think, and we'll go from there. So uh, I did my first exam. And at the time, I was working in Debenhams. And this lady walked past me and and I started chatting to her. And I was telling her what I was studying and and this and that. And she was like, oh, I um, work up the road at Old Mutual Wealth, which is now Quilter. And she said, if you're doing the exams, do you, do you want to come for a job interview? And I thought, surely not. Like, this is so weird. <laughs> and um, I I know, honestly, I was like, I was thinking my own dad won't employ me at this point. So that's very kind of you. And um, I went for the job interview and I got the job the next day. And then that was it, really. I started doing the exams and I thought, do you know what? I actually, I really enjoy this. It's interesting. The bit that was always missing for me was... For a long time, I was admin, power planning, but like, I just wanted to speak to people. Like, I think people will know from the minute they meet me, like, I just love p- people. Like, that is what I love. Um, so I wanted to be a financial planner. Like, that was always my end goal because being behind a computer for a whole day, not speaking to anyone, I would be climbing the walls. My boyfriend wouldn't even want to come home because he was scared of the amount of talk that was going to come out of me when he walked through the front door. Um, so... Yeah, that's kind of where it started and and the path I took, I suppose. That's that's incredible. Um, I think you're the youngest, um, you know, guest we've, you know, in terms of that I've I've interviewed on the show. And every time I ask people, almost everyone, this question, 
how did you get into financial planning? They always say I fell into it. Well, you're the first guest who was literally born into it. Um, and um, but it's it's fascinating that you you went off and tried, you know, did your own thing in in all all the different places. Uh, you at ITV Intel, you gave up that to come, uh, you know, to the profession. That is that is truly truly uh fascinating yeah i think people just think i was a little bit crazy i got an apprenticeship and i was literally 16 and i applied for this apprenticeship at itv and thought never gonna get it went for this like interview of hundreds of people got all narrowed down got through and got it and i was commuting i lived down in in hampshire and i was commuting every day at 16 back and forth to london and i was kind of like a, a team administrator and i had the most insane experiences like i went to like the brits in a box i went like i went everywhere i used to get sent round to the lift and like i collected the Jackson family like like it was crazy but I was like it all my life I've been like I will only do what makes me happy which is people get so fed up of because I just quit all the time but um it, to me it's so important and I was like I can't see my future here I don't know what I want to do and I was so young I was like I feel like I need to work it out more so I, was like, yeah, I quit <laughs> and everyone was like what are you doing and I was like I just need to work out what I want to do basically that's 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 interesting. So I, I guess in a way you are finding your way back in quotes to media, let's say. So talk a little bit about um, you know what you're doing with, with social media. I know you have a meaningful following on on Instagram. Uh, we'll come back to the po podcast. Let, let's talk about that. What made you get into uh, social media? And by the way, for the uninitiated who don't know what Instagram is, is it? No, I'm joking. Yeah, I'm joking. All right. <laughs> talk... <laughs> I'm sorry. Talk to us about Instagram. What the flip is Instagram and what are you doing on there? Absolutely. Um, so I was looking on Instagram. Um, I'm on there quite a lot anyway, because of, I don't know, my age or whatever. I'm not being ageist, but my age is typically on Instagram a lot. Um, and there's a lot of um, influencers, so like financial influencers. And I was looking at them and they're, they're doing amazing things, many of them. There's a lot of stuff out there that shouldn't be out there, but there is also a lot of amazing stuff that is. But what I noticed is that nobody I could find was qualified. And that kind of like mm. blew my mind. I was like, how are all these these individuals got so many people following them, listening to every word mm. they say, but none of them have any qualifications? I was like, how does that work? Like that just I just couldn't get my head around it. So I thought, okay, the only thing I could do is is give it a go myself. So I wondered if that reason, but also people seem to be fascinated that I was kind of like a young female financial planner. Like when people ask, even now, like when people ask me what I do, they're like, eh? Are you? <laughs> like, they're like, honestly, I get it all the time. Like people are so genuinely confused. My dad says it. They're like, yeah, obviously. Like they don't go, huh? To my dad. Just to me, they are baffled. And then they normally say, are you an accountant? Can you do my books? But first, they're just completely confused. Um, so I wanted to put myself out there as, okay, like, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. This is my job. Because also, I, I love my job. So uh, I wanted to show people that maybe we're coming into the industry or we're doing a change or anything like that. Like, 
what I was doing. So I started for that reason, um, posting like a bit of educational content, uh, a bit about me. But the funny thing was I'd post these educational posts and they and they would do quite well. And then I'd post a photo of me and the dog and that would do like a hundred times better. <laughs> I was like, okay, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but, and it just shows you. And But the, what would happen is the same individuals had seen those last couple of posts, but the photo of me and the dog had then triggered them to message me because they could relate to me. They'd be like, okay, she's just a normal person with a very cute cock spaniel that I could speak to because she just looks like normal and like me and, and I could relate to her. So um, yeah, it's been a really interesting journey. Um, I've just, yeah, really enjoyed it. It's a place where I've made friends, connections, clients. Um, and I just think it's it's worth a go for, for anyone really. I know a lot of individuals are like, we try social media, it doesn't work. And I was having this conversation the other day and it's like, okay, well, how hard did you try? Because I've been doing it for well over a year and I've got about 2,500 followers. And compared to a lot of other um, accounts, that's still nothing, like, that's not a lot. But I've made like one connection that's made a load of other connections and you have to look at the the smaller things that come out of it and you have to put a lot of time and effort consistently to build up you can't just post a few posts and and just leave it and also that whole relatability thing is really important like you can't be posting photos of your blue and gold office with people like my dad in suits because that's not what the people on Instagram relate to they don't that makes them feel pushed out it makes them feel like it's not for them it makes them feel like they can't approach you like you have to do it in a, a different way which I think sometimes individuals can't get their head around including my dad he's like well I'd never do that <laughs> it's it's fascinating two things struck me from what you just said one which is kind of a bit of a bugbear of mine uh I don't I try not to take it to the extremes is when when unqualified people you know like people who have zero qualifications zero experience um um you know and frankly zero regulatory responsibility um are you know talk are referred to regarded as uh, and talk to people about uh, you know, personal finances, all these personal finance experts, you know, I, I think he, he, he does, you know, you know, for, for people, you know, financial advisors and other people who've, you know, spent a lot of time, you know, getting qualified and getting experience, it's, it's, it kind of aches us a little bit, you know, it's like, if you wanted to talk to a doctor, or if you say someone's a medical expert, you don't go bring a journalist who's done a lot of work on your reporting on hospital, you know, or you, you find a doctor, you find, you know, a medical professional to, to talk. Yet, in financial services, you see some of these, they, they have massive following, um, um, especially on social media. And I've always thought, you know, how wonderful would it be if you find, you know, someone who's very qualified, right? Uh, you know, experienced financial advisor, and, you know, they have that, you know, media exposure, that relatability, um, you know, to the common person. I guess that's that's what you're trying to do. 
I'm trying, yeah. And it's definitely, it's not easy. Like Instagram and, and the online world is, is a funny place. And it, it sometimes can be demotivating and sometimes it can be really exciting. Like it, it varies. But I think, like you said, those individuals need to be there. These qualified experts who actually do know what they're talking about need to be in that place and they need to be seen and they need to be listened to because the power that some social accounts have over their followers is crazy like they could post one thing about a certain type of investment and a hell of a lot of people would take them up on that or or buy that share or whatever it is because they just have absolute faith in this this influencer that's online um so qualified individuals and experts need to be there and I think I've, I've seen more in the last year definitely but it's also showing the the individuals that are on Instagram what the difference is because I think there's a lot of people that wouldn't actually know okay they're qualified and that that means that and I, I should look at what they're saying there needs to be more conversation around what that actually means and why that's so important rather than listening to somebody that potentially has no experience and no qualifications which is scary what does it take to win in this space to to you know actually be able to succeed in this space i'm assuming that people on social media on instagram don't want to hear about ISAs and pensions and index funds and uh, you know passive active debate and you have to put a lot of yourself out there, you know, share the photos of your dog and your children, if you have one, and talk about your boyfriend or, or wife or husband. You know, a lot of financial advisors, no financial advisors. You know, very rarely would you find financial advisors who want to do this stuff. Yeah, it's definitely something you have to accept and be willing to do before you do it and and I've had weird stuff happen I've had my account um like fake accounts created pretending to be me and like take photos of my boyfriend and my dog and my boyfriend's like how dare they take a photo of me and it is it's really weird um but I do just think it's important to be be there for the people that are online and because that is where the next generation or whatever you want to call them that is where they are looking they are searching tiktok for where should they should put their money and they're looking on instagram like then that's where they are now so if you want to connect and speak to those individuals it's not the only place but it is a massive part of it the the other thing is about this image of a financial advisor as forgive me old stuffy um rather than young vibrant female uh you know approach again how do we how, how do we go about changing that impression or is it is it even important to change you know should we just keep to the uh you know the the current perception of serious old older uh you know probably male in their 50s uh, you know because that comes with wisdom and respectability so to speak yeah i think for me it always comes back to relatability and i think you look at the average age of a client for a financial advice firm and typically it's it's always 45 upwards if not a very large percentage in 60 upwards and i've seen that i've worked mm. in a lot of financial advice firms and i've seen that through hundreds of clients and they're not getting any younger clients and they're 
trying to speak to the kids but the kids aren't interested and that's a problem for their succession plan and their business and and it seems to really like they don't understand why and it, and it all comes back to relatability like they want to sit in front of somebody who's similar to their own age and they want to be able to relate to the the company whether that's their employees or their brand or what they're doing as a company whether it's the way they speak it, it's that's what I feel like is missing is the relatability and that really is important and I totally agree about the kind of like older age wisdom thing like there's definitely been situations where I've gone into a meeting and actually I've done it with my dad because at the end of the day they just they trust him more potentially they're an older client and they relate more to my dad like that's absolutely fine but at the same time I've had younger clients that are similar to my age that have said to me I would never sit in front of your dad like I'd feel Hmm. awkward I wouldn't know what to say I feel like I could say the wrong thing but in front of me because they can relate to me we just have a cup of tea and a really relaxed conversation and because the majority of financial advisors are older males like they are there are statistics to show that that does limit who then comes forward as clients because I have numerous conversations where individuals say I don't feel like I'm worthy of financial advice I don't feel like I can approach a financial advisor I don't feel like it's for me I feel like it's for the old for the rich and that is because of what companies are putting out like there is a reason why they feel that and that is because what they're putting out into the world there isn't a lot of companies that are exciting and relatable and fresh and all of those things like and I think it it needs to it needs to happen and also it doesn't mean that the companies like my dad's there's not a place for them like my dad's business does brilliantly he has an amazing lovely clients like my dad still needs to be there like, I'm not saying sack off my dad and, and all those other advisors like I'm just saying there needs to be <laughs> there needs to be more diversity in the world of financial advice like it's, it's just not there at the moment yeah, there's this lovely picture of you and your dad um, in in City Wire, you know, and it just strikes me. So you were stand, you're standing in front of a boat, I think, and he's obviously yeah. suited, booted, of course, older, and you're wearing yeah. this gorgeous, beautiful dress. You got your hair down, younger, vibrant, and that combination of you know age and wisdom but young uh, uh, and vibrant or vibrance i don't know what the the grammar is is incredible is do you think that's why your dad brought you back or kind of brought you into the business is that part of the reason you know is succession part of it I think it's the the moaning from me for him to hire me to be fair it took me about seven years to wear him down um to actually hire me but yeah I think he being around me now he totally sees how needed it is like when the kids maybe do want to have a conversation they don't want to sit in front of him like they do want to sit in front of their someone their own age and and the clients whatever company is want to know there is a succession plan like companies like clients are asking companies that I've, I've heard it a lot recently where new clients are coming on board and they're saying because the advisor like my dad has got gray hair and like a lot of advisors you can see they are older and probably near on retirement themselves people are saying okay well what's going to happen when you're not working anymore which is a totally reasonable question to ask because they've probably got another 20 years of planning to go so if that advisor goes off and retires they want to know what's going to happen next so I always when I started my career every company I worked for they were like we're not making you an advisor like you're too young like no one's gonna take you seriously and in hindsight I wish I kind of had the 
what I've seen now in the okay well what about the kids of the the biggest family you've got in the business like how are you engaging with them like it needs to be looked at differently not just you're too young no one's going to take you seriously actually how can we use the younger advisors to make a plan for the business and and, and grow the business in, in different ways I think there's so much potential there but not everyone sees it yeah, that, that's an, that interesting combo. I don't want to say Batman, Robin, you know, like older, uh, wiser and younger and vibrant, uh, you know, financial planner uh, could be could be a great win. So let's talk about, uh, I think this dovetails into some of the work that you guys are doing. Uh, you and, and Helena, um, we, Waddle, we, we interviewed and it... And it Elena on the on the podcast, um, you know, talk 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 a little bit about what you're doing with uh, money means, you know, which is essentially a, a startup to bring financial advisor to the younger um, audience. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So it all for me on my behalf it all came from being on social media attracting the clients I was attracting they were younger than the the typical financial planning client and I was bringing them into my dad's business and I was like there's just like a, a, a part that doesn't fit it doesn't quite fit so they would see me on Instagram being excited and vibrant and relatable and fresh and bright and all of these things and and they would be attracted by that and we'd have the first conversation and then they'd pass through to my dad's business which is just a very typical classic financial planning business but it is quite old school and then they'd be like that would really confuse them and, and they would carry on because I'd luckily built that relationship already but they were like this doesn't really seem to fit with you Chanel like the conversations we've had um, so there was that part of it. And then there was also the fact that a lot of individuals I was speaking to didn't have the classic big pension transfer or big mm. cash item they wanted to transfer or all of like, they didn't have a pot of money, really. They'd either like they're saving for a house or they just bought a house or, but they had some disposable income and they didn't know what to do with it. And actually financial planning earlier on could make a massive difference to their life. But because they don't have that pot of money, many companies won't see them because they it's not worth their while and at the end of the day if you do do percentage fees it doesn't it won't cover your costs and it's so expensive to run a business and I was kind of thinking about this in my head and I was thinking okay well we just need to think of a different way to charge them because people are prepared to pay like there's many things people pay for now gyms and coaching and life coaching career coaching and um pilates classes and all these things and, and they're not cheap like people want to pay for something that will make a difference to their lives so in my head I was like well why wouldn't we do that for financial planning? Like, it just makes sense to me. So I basically started to run with this idea of how we could just charge them differently. It'd be a different business model. It'd be, you wouldn't look at it and compare it at all to a typical financial planning business because it wouldn't be anything like it. From the branding to the way we speak to the people that are employed, like, it would just be so different. And I got super excited about this idea. And, and I said to my dad that... um it just doesn't fit with how the business works. It needs to be a separate entity and all this kind of stuff. And um, I then also started really researching what the next generation want. And when I say the next generation, I, I literally mean like sort of like under 45, like just not the typical financial planning client and getting a lot of interesting data and research. And um, I went and did a talk at a conference 
on this very topic of, of what they want from financial planning and, and it was so interesting some of the results and I did this talk and Helena was in the audience and she also put me forward for the for the talk and we she pulled me aside afterwards and we sat down and she told me all about money means and it was like we were thinking about the same thing in two different parts of the country um it was it was so crazy because I'm sure you will know that most of the time when I had this conversation with financial planners they were like that's crazy that's never gonna work like or it's like not worth it or like they just completely sort of dismissed it whereas we just basically had the same idea in different places and we were like oh my god this is amazing like why shouldn't financial planning be accessible like there has to be a way to do this and Helena had done so much research and so much amazing stuff to show that this could work and and everything I'd thought about and what she had thought about could work. We could make financial planning accessible. It could be a subscription basis. It could be relatable and exciting and fun and, and all these things. And we both also knew how life-changing financial planning could be. We'd both seen it. I'd sat with my dad's clients and seen it and and Helena has seen it with so many of her clients and just imagine we could do this with people earlier in their life and save that conversation of I wish I did this earlier like so many people say it because they don't know where to go for financial advice they don't know who to speak to and they don't think it's accessible so if we can start so much earlier on like the difference like just blows my mind thinking about it like the difference you can make to people's lives is just crazy so that's kind of all where it came from. So after that conversation, we came together and we've been building it ever since really, which is, um, well, Helena had already done an absolute ton in the in the background before, but together we've been building from about six months ago and we're, we're due to launch end of the year, late, like next, early part of next year. And we're just so excited for people to be able to use it, for people to see it and just make a real difference because financial planning can be so so life-changing money money knowing about money and what to do with it everyone should know how to do that it shouldn't just be for certain people it should be for for absolutely everybody so that's what we're going to try and do it's incredible incredible stuff so the way you know again i'm i'm inferring from you know what you've just said the conversation i've previously had with with elena the way i'm thinking about this and correct me if i'm wrong is that you guys are sitting in the middle in between um, you know, there are lots and lots of uh, apps out there, you know, budgeting apps, you know, money tracking apps and things like that um, on the one hand. And on the other, you have, um, you know, investing apps where, you know, it's all about, you know, invest your money, you know, uh, all that stuff. Um, but you guys are sitting somewhere in the middle where there is, you know, it's a membership, a subscription-based um, educational content, a lot of, I'm assuming, a lot of educational content, um, a lot of classes, is it? Um, and then at some point, a personal interaction with um, a financial coach or financial planner, whatever you, you, might, you might call it. And then does that lead somehow to transaction you know so you know they have money they want to invest the money you've gone through all the sort of initial phase of budgeting planning um how how are you thinking about this or what what i i want to tease out a little bit of uh what, what you guys uh i do i know it's not out there yet but you know i'm curious 
Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, exactly as you said, and definitely with the the human part of a, of a financial planner. And that was so important to us because I would have conversations with people when I was thinking about the idea and they were like, well, the younger generation, they just want robots. I'm like, no, they don't. Like, they don't want robots. Like, when it comes to stuff that is emotional or stressful or sometimes all you need is that small conversation with a real life person to say, it's going to be okay, you're going to be all right this I, this is going to be okay I'm telling you this you can trust me and that counts for so much um so to start with the most important thing for us is getting full holistic financial planning about your life where you're at now where you want to get to how we can help you get there and implementing stuff because we know that's important and transactional stuff is definitely something we have in the pipeline for the future but as we start it's it's going to be real holistic financial planning and looking at the where they're at now and where they need to get to and how we can help them and transactional stuff will come at a later date we will make sure they know where to go if they do need anything because we know it's a really important part we don't want to sit down with them and say this is that and the other and then okay you're off on your own like there needs to be help all the way through the journey because that's how people go through with things and and actually put things in place but yeah it's just like we're starting to to look at, at what's being built now and, and like we're getting there and it's and I'm sure you've probably had the same experience like looking at it coming to life like out of your brain onto like a computer and a phone and it's just so exciting and seeing how the value we thought we could bring to individuals is actually coming to life and we can see how they would use it it's just yeah it's just so exciting it's it's incredible i look forward to seeing more of it in the seeing it in the in the in the world um let, let's talk a little bit about your 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 podcasts um so talk a little bit about the podcast why what is he trying to do yeah, absolutely. So um, it's called Her Future Bright. And it, it basically all stemmed from when I first joined the industry, I'd go to events with my dad. And it, it would be sort of like 250 men over 60, me, maybe a couple of other women, but also not generally normally sort of like 50 plus. And I just felt so out of place. Like, I literally had somebody come up to me once and ask if I was in the wrong place. And I thought, really like I was like how is this happening and if it wasn't for my dad I would have absolutely spun on my heel and been out of there so quick because it just makes you feel uncomfortable like I would have never have said anything because I, I felt like I shouldn't have been there and it, it was just a bit of a rubbish experience and all I really wanted was a I don't know a mentor somebody to look up to to speak to who maybe already was a financial planner who I could relate to and back sort of like seven eight years ago when I started in financial services LinkedIn wasn't as much of a thing and I didn't really use it so I, I didn't look on there and I was just like I don't know who to speak to and a, and a lot of the companies I joined all the advisors were male and often wouldn't really give me the time of the day to talk to talk about it anyway so I then then what happened is I started to have a few years later I started having conversations with amazing women in finance and I, I kind of thought to myself like why am I only getting this information? Why it would be so much better if more people could listen to this and I could share what I'm learning with with everybody else who wants to learn it. So it started as a um, LinkedIn live video on a Friday, which was the scariest thing in the world because it was live and I had numerous technical issues. It just always seemed to happen when we went live. Um, but what it did make me realise was people were listening and finding the the content of the conversation we were having useful, inspiring, motivating, 
all these things and and I did it on LinkedIn for a while and I was like okay I really enjoy this like the genuinely is like real value coming out of this the people I were interviewing women in in finance basically was were amazing and giving so much inspirational content it was just it was blowing my mind and I thought okay I I really want to run with this so so I thought okay the next best thing would be a podcast I thought oh my gosh how am I gonna do this I have absolutely no idea Uh, but and also everyone kept saying to me like there's so many podcasts out there are you sure you want to do a podcast and I was like well yeah because like this is diff like there isn't a podcast like this at the moment and actually I really love it and I think when you can listen to real genuine excitement and enthusiasm in in the host and in the conversation that that really helps so um I was like right okay I'm gonna do this so (laughs) the best bit was I was like, okay, I really want like an amazing first guest, like somebody that people are going to be like, wow, how does she do that? And Ruth from Octopus, the CEO, I messaged Octopus and I thought, okay, I was like, look, I don't have a name yet. I don't actually have a podcast yet. I don't really have anything, but I have an idea and I'd really love Ruth to come on. Like I would really appreciate it thinking they would never reply and they did. And when they replied, like, I can't even tell you how happy I was. And, and Ruth said yes. And she came on as the first guest. And ever since then, it's just, I've just loved it so much. It's It's been such a passion project. And this series just gone. Um, I had JP Morgan asset management as the sponsors and it seemed to all suddenly get a bit real and people were actually listening and like people come up to me and be like I listen to your podcast I'm like what they're like yeah that tends to be what people do now but like it's weird when someone says it but yeah I just I just love doing it so much and I get messages and, and comments about what people have taken from it and yeah it's just an absolute passion project so I'm gonna keep doing it and my idea will be to have a, an episode every week so I'm working towards that but I'm sure as you know it's a big commitment um but hopefully we'll, we'll get there eventually but yeah I, I absolutely love it it's a huge huge passion project for me so the the idea is essentially showcasing women in, in financial services and talking about their experience because you're right uh, you know if you look at uh, you know, maybe traditional industry, uh, anything, conference, um, you know, sometimes, well, not sometimes, a lot of times, um, you know, the the female, you, you, you stand and you think, well, are there women in this industry uh, because, because of, of uh, you know, just the, the way the industry is structured. This is something that I had questioned a, a long time, you know, you speak to a lot of women, you know, there, there are, you know, a lot of leading women in, in, the, in the profession and things like that. And yet they say that there are obstacles, you know, to women generally in, in this profession. And I don't understand it because I'm not uh, a woman. So talk a little about what obstacles women face um in the profession when it comes to uh you know progressing yeah absolutely so i experienced personally like when i was in other companies apart from my dad's like there was numerous conversations where i said i wanted to be a financial planner um and often my age would get brought up but often also they would say well like 
they would literally say like well you're a woman and I'm like what like what does that even mean like what difference does that make and like I said there was companies where no other planners would be women so they had this weird mindset where it was like well that means none could be and they would and they would be sort of like well you, you have to stay as a power planner role or you have to stay an admin and it it just felt a lot harder to move and there would be situations where a young male advisor would come in and he would just come in as a, as a planner or an advisor I'm like that doesn't make any sense and I used to get so frustrated because often I'd then hand in my notice and then they'd offer it to me I'm like why does it take me handing in my notice for you <laughs> I'm like absolutely not mate I was like you could keep your job and I am off um but it would be so frustrating that they you'd have sort of young male planners and advisors come in, they'd go straight into the role with no experience. And whereas I'd asked to move from one job into planning and they'd be like, well, no, you're a young female, like no one's going to take you seriously. And I kind of like, when I actually started having clients, I had this like aha moment of like, people take me seriously. Like, because people tell you for so long, they're not going to, that when people do, you're like, ah, oh, this is good, isn't it? Like they actually do. Because everyone said they wouldn't um so yeah it just it did always just just prove harder and in the conversations I have in the podcast the questions some of the questions I always ask every guest and one of them is sort of what's been the greatest thing you've achieved in your career so far and the other one is uh but what has been most difficult and like you see a similarity in the answers like often it will be I didn't myself like I didn't feel confident enough to to go for that role and I didn't feel like my my team pushed me hard enough to be like you can do this or whereas sometimes the men and this is this is own personal like thoughts and feelings but the men would step into the role and be like yeah I could do that and like there's loads of statistics that say that men have that higher confidence of going into that job and applying for a job they got absolutely no qualifications in and ask for a really high salary but sometimes we just don't do it um so it's it's really interesting in what they say and I, there was a guest the other week who talked about um I believe she was working on like a a trading floor and um they basically said she didn't get the job because she was female uh, but and I think I do think we've come a long way since then and I can see a change in in the last like eight years a hundred percent I've seen a change but I do still think um there is a way to go and there's still some changes that that need to be made yeah, someone, someone listening to this will say, but that would be illegal, right? Illegal. It's literally legal for you not to, to not offer someone a job because of their sex or their age, you know, primarily because of that, uh, you know. But the reality is it's never so, um, you know, brutally... Um, obvious that that's the reason or they do it in a way that mm -hmm. it's very hard if not impossible to prosecute yeah 100 percent. and also like at the time like I was quite young and like what was I going to do like I, I would have been I didn't want to go to HR and be like that person that was like moaning because maybe I hadn't had the job that long or I hadn't really established myself in the business and and I also had times where I tried to speak to, speak to managers stuff like that and it goes over their head and they don't do anything and then it's like okay well what is the point in in saying anything so uh, yeah exactly as you said it's not it's not like they've sent an email and said we're not giving you this job because you're, <laughs> you're a woman or you're you're female whatever like that would be like forward hr um but i say that but would i, I don't know because like you don't want to be that person that's like making a problem um so yeah exactly as you said it's not as obvious sometimes and it is changing but 
I'm pretty sure it still happens. Yeah, and, and I and I wonder how you change this type of, um, you know, frankly, culture, toxic culture. Um, you know, there are there are other things relating to, you know, maternity and all those sort of things that that are, they're like structural obstacles uh, for women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know how you change it. You know, of course, you know, some of the work that you're doing, such as, you know, just being out there, right, for other people to see you. Uh, the podcast is one reason, uh, sorry, one one way to 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 give visibility and profile. Um you know, uh, and of course, you know, having women leaders, you know, I've thought, uh, you know, actually should or could be one one reason, which is, you know, I don't talk about this, but in our company, you know, I try very hard, certainly the senior level, um, you know, to make sure that we have that balance. Um, one thing that I have always not been sure of is women only awards right so i want to get your perspective on so i know that i I think that what should be happening is pushing for greater recognition in the traditional industry awards rather Mm -hmm. than creating you know sort of special award for female because to me, what you're saying is, if you say this is a best female financial planner, I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to be best female financial planner. I want to be the best financial planner. You know, the same thing goes, people do this. I said to my team, I said, the day anyone in this industry comes to me and say, you know, we're creating, um, you know, uh, award for, uh, you know, black ethnic minorities or whatever, and they say you're a, you know, you're the best black CEO. I'm like, no, I don't want that. You don't want to be the best flipping CEO on the planet. Um, you know, so I don't know, right, is what I'm saying. But from your point of view, do you think this this type of female-only awards are, are helpful? Um, you know, do they serve, are they helpful to the cause, is what I'm trying to, to ask. I think I think at some point, because of the way the industry profession, whatever you want to call it, is, somebody felt it was needed to have those women-only awards. And actually, I think that's quite sad um, mm. that it was probably needed in the first place. And I totally mm. agree with what you said. If I was, say, nominated for a women's-only award and just a general financial services award, if I'm honest, the, the general financial services award would mean a hell of a lot more. Because exactly as you said, like, I don't want to just be just that best out of the women. Like, I want to be best out of everyone. <laughs> but, like, it's exactly as you said. So, uh, yeah, I, I've had this conversation a few times with with colleagues and, and other people, and, and I do totally agree. I don't, I don't think they're bad. I think it's a shame we need them. I think people getting recognised in any way is a good thing. Um, and whether if that means it, it boosts their confidence or it's good for their business, I think that's all great, amazing things. But I think it's a shame we have to have it. And ideally, in the best case scenario, I think it would actually be better if we had, I don't know, more awards ceremonies or, or whatever to replace the ones that are women only and like they shouldn't shouldn't be needed. I do always think though, when I see the, the women... Um, like the women in finance stuff like that the award um the nomination list come out i think 
whoa, that list just gets bigger and bigger. And it does kind of blow my mind how many women are in financial services when they release the nomination list. So stuff like that. I think that's nice. Um, but I do totally agree. I think somebody at some point thought it was needed, which is a shame. But if someone gets recognised, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all here for that. That's incredible. Let's look forward to the day that we don't need them anymore. Um, I've, I've enjoyed this uh, conversation, Chanel. Thank you very much for your time, for your wisdom, for, for you know, putting yourself out there. I think it's incredible. And uh, yeah, good luck uh, for what is yet to come. Thank you. I've had the best time. I've really, really enjoyed it. I knew we'd have a good time, but um, I know it's been brilliant. Thank you. I'll be remiss if I don't thank my incredible team who worked very hard to put this program together. Thank you, thank you very much guys. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Timeline App, the retirement planning software, and Bitfolio, the high-tech, low-cost, flat-fee model portfolio manager. And to you, our listeners, thank you for your time. I hope you've had as much fun listening to the program as we have making it. You can find more about the show at retirementals.co.uk and you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is Abraham on money. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.